Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of Not The Farmer's Wife. Episode 41, we're cracking through. <laughs> anyway, so what I had planned for the next four weeks, the next four episodes, is to do a homestead holiday guide. Now, the reason that I wanted to do this is because it's one of the primary things that I get asked about from people who are considering a change of lifestyle and um, moving to a, a sustainable living type of lifestyle. And the big thing that they all come back to is, but how do we take holidays? How would you ever have a holiday? <laughs> it happens. We have holidays. We go away from the farm and everything doesn't implode. <laughs> but there's a few things that you need to take into account before you do that. So what I'm going to do is over the next four episodes, uh, today I'm just going to talk about general stuff. Next week, I'm going to discuss leaving animals and the kinds of things that you need to take into consideration for animals. So I'll touch on a bit of animal stuff today, but I'll go into a lot more detail next week. Uh, garden stuff that you need to consider. And then because Monday the 25th is Christmas Day, um, that episode, which I'll still have because I'm, I'm hoping to record all of my December episodes early, <laughs> um, that episode will be about Christmas traditions in a homesteading kind of lifestyle, uh, which, you know, it does change a little bit because you're not, you're not as commercial, I guess. I don't want to say that because there's nothing wrong with, you know, buying toys for your kids. I did it when they were little. Now we tend to not do that type of Christmas, um, and, you know, I've got a few issues around Christmas anyway, but but we'll discuss that in um, episode four of this Homestead Holiday Guide series. So the next four are all going to be about what to do when you want holidays. Uh, now, at the moment, I'm also on Goat Watch because Marie Antoinette, who's one of our Angoras, all of our Angoras are named after royalty because <laughs> they all think they're special. Uh, Marie Antoinette was one of the wild ones, I used to call them. They never used to be very friendly, and I've managed to get them quite tame. But uh, Marie Antoinette is due to deliver, and i it's my fault. I did not know her joining date because I let the buck run with them for a bit longer than I should have. And so she actually is um, kidding quite late in the season. This is not how I would normally kid. Normally I would have them kidding, you know, closer to kind of September, uh, especially the Angoras. Uh, but she is a healthy, happy goat and she's out there. And at the moment her udder is so big and hard that there's actually milk squirting out of her udder. And she's in very early stage labor. <laughs> so hopefully... By the time this goes to air, we're going to have another little set of hooves on the ground. And we're really hoping for a little female. Out of the Angoras so far, we've had one female last year, two males this year. It'd be nice to get another female. They, they, they make a very cute little goat. And because they've been joined with an Anglo-Nubian, um, I have every intention of milking uh, 
Princess Charlotte, who was born last year, um, I have every intention of milking her because I have tried Angora milk and it's no different to the Anglo-Nubian milk, so we're still going to give it a crack. Anyway, we'll get on with our holiday homestead holiday guide. So the big thing, and it's when I say big thing, it is absolutely critical if you um, want to have holidays is to be able to plan. Now, when I say plan, I don't just mean plan for what needs doing on the homestead. I mean, you need to plan your holidays very carefully too. I've traveled extensively um, throughout my life. I have been to every continent except for Africa. I, mean, I want to say Africa and South America is at a continent. Um, uh, I've been to everywhere except for those two places. Um, one day I'll go, but um, uh, no burning desire at this stage. But I've travelled all through Europe. I've been away for up to 12 weeks at a time um, on two occasions where I've had to pre-plan everything for a three-month holiday. So there's a lot of planning that goes into a holiday like that. But there's also a lot of planning that needs to be done to maintain your home and house admin before you go. And when you have a homestead, that home and house admin extends to farm admin, <laughs> which means there's just a little bit more involved in planning and a little bit more involved in um, making sure that you've got everything set up to go. So as far as the planning goes, the things that you need to think about is don't plan to have a holiday when it would be a critical time on the farm. And I know that's a pain in the ass. Um, the Handy Helper used to run a mowing franchise and so we could only ever have holidays in the winter months because of his work in the summer months. He would just be too flat out. He would never get to have holidays around Christmas time. Um, likewise, for me, with milking and um, baby cheeks and things like that, the only time that we can have holidays from the farm, realistically, is in our winter months, which is luckily in the Northern Hemisphere's summer months, which if I want to travel away from home, like if I want to go out of the country, that is perfect because I'm going into their summer for my holidays, which is probably generally where most people want to, they want to have holidays in an area where it's a summertime or springtime at least. So think about when, if, you, if you're doing an overseas trip that's going to be um, more substantial, or even, you know, for those in the States, I mean, you could travel from one side of the country to the other, and it's almost like doing an overseas trip anyway. Um, but if you plan when you will be going and plan it for times that critical things will not be happening on the farm. So you definitely don't want to go during the birthing seasons, um, when you are expecting, you know, kids or um, calves or anything like that, um, you want to make sure that you're home for those um, very hectic times sometimes. Um, also to think about um, when, like if you're traveling, obviously if you're traveling in the summer months to the Northern Hemisphere or in if you're coming from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere during those summer months, then... Um, you need to also plan around how much it's going to cost because it will obviously cost you more to travel in summer and that's not ideal. So maybe see if you can go spring or autumn when you know you don't have anything major on at the farm. So you just have to kind of 
make sure that you've got all your calendars set out and I have a farm calendar anyway where I keep everything from you know, worming, kidding, when my milking season's likely to start and finish. I don't milk all year round and I do, for little trips away, I keep the kids on the mum. So we co-milk. So the goats uh, are out with their mother, mothers in the paddock at the moment and at five, six o'clock tonight, they get locked away into a little kidding stable where they go and sleep, the four kids, and uh, they stay there overnight. In the morning, I get up, I milk the mothers. I don't strip them completely with milk, but I milk them out, and then the kids go back onto mum, and they can then drink milk all day off mum, so they're still drinking milk uh, at the moment. They're coming up to two and a half, three months, and they're still drinking milk off mum, if I need to go away just for a weekend, then one of the things that I do do is plan it around being able to leave kids on mum. So I wouldn't go at times when I'm trying to wean them or when they've just been born and I'm trying to get them to make sure that they've got a good routine with the milk supply. So you've got to plan a little bit ahead. Um, I like to create a homestead holiday calendar. So <laughs> it can be a little bit OCD, but marking critical dates, when to start preparations, when you have to finish things, um, and then being able to schedule your holidays into that calendar. So looking at it all and going, all right, well, kidding finishes in, say, October. I'll be milking until probably March or April. Um, so I'm going to plan a holiday for May so that it's not in the dead of winter kind of thing uh, but depending on where I'm going if I'm going up north in Australia or if I'm going overseas then May would be a perfect time to travel in most places um, but even if I'm just going away you know for the weekend or anything I will tend to do that you know maybe February or March would be probably the, I'd do that and then around that April time when I'm likely to be trying to wean kids um, I probably wouldn't travel but you have to have it all mapped out on a calendar I like to use Google. Um, you do have to pay for some of the Google services, which can be a bit annoying, but I work three jobs. So if I don't have a Google calendar going, I'm fucked. I have no clue where I'm supposed to be when. Um, so I have a Google family calendar, which means that both MJ and OJ can both also access a calendar to see what mum has planned for the next month. Uh, and the handy helper, because he's a shift worker now, he also has all of his shifts listed on there so that we know when he's available to maybe help me with picking up kids or uh, be at the farm to um, do the eggs and do the, the goats in the evening if I've got kids at sport that evening. So it, it just helps having that visual aid of a calendar and I colour code everything. So it looks quite pretty. It's all colour coded about who's doing what and where and what shift they're working. But I also have another spreadsheet that I um, transfer onto the Google um, calendar and it has things like uh, when I would be worming, when we're likely to be joining the goats, when we're likely to have shearing done because we've got the angoras that need to be shorn, when I'm likely to be getting new chicks in um, to raise, uh, to replace my egg stock. Um, so I have everything scheduled out on a spreadsheet and then I just transfer it, kind of go in each month and if there's something important, I'll go in and I actually put an alert on the Google Calendar so that it pings up on my phone and reminds me, oh, she, you need to ring the, the shearer to book in shearing, you need to get the goats in and get them wormed, the horses need worming, uh, the chickens need de-lousing, whatever it is, it bings up as a warning or a reminder on my on my calendar.
Now, one of the other things that you need to think about um, before you consider going away is a bit of an inventory check. So taking stock of what supplies you've got in regards to animal feed and essential tools that you might need on the farm um, and creating a bit of a shopping list in advance so that you know if you're going to be away for a week, if you're going to be away for two weeks, you know exactly how much food the animals will still need to get through that period. Now, what I do is I tend to, through the year, I, I shop for stock feed once a fortnight and through the year I will generally buy extra like as in I will buy in advance if I'm buying one bag of goat blend for my milkers um, a month I will double up one week where I buy two bags of goat blend and that means I have that spare bag sitting there so when it's getting close towards a holiday time if you're trying to save money for your holiday <laughs> knowing that you don't have to go out and do a special big bulk purchase for stock feed because you've backed up on chicken pellets you've backed up on goat blend hey you we're looking uh probably over the next six months we'll be looking at getting some big round bale haze in um so that certainly would be if you could do a dump of a big round bale of hay uh, that's going to help out whoever you've got looking after the animals massively but what you want to do is you want to yeah, spread that kind of expense through the year if you know you've got your holiday coming up and have it so that the person who is farm sitting for you will have more than enough for what they need so it's just one less thing you need to ask them to do while you're away now if you're going away for a month or two that might be a bit more tricky but there's no reason why you couldn't pre-plan enough to have all that done um, and have you know that that kind of big bulk amount stocked up before you go away um also too depending on when you go away you know there might be uh, other feed requirements i mean certainly in the northern hemisphere some of my u.s listeners uh, i know that you guys are in heavy snowfall during winter so if you're trying to go away in the middle of winter all of your animals may be barned at that point and may be hand fed completely so making sure that you've got everything there so that whoever is farm sitting for you is able to just feed what they need to feed uh, and besides that, there is nothing, absolutely nothing worse. And I know, unfortunately, because I've done it when I wasn't quite so OCD on my planning, coming back home and we, we, so we have traveled for a month with the animals being farm sat. Um, we normally now only go away for a week at a time. And that's because we've only traveled in Australia since COVID. But pre-COVID, we did four weeks in the US and we had the chickens, the bees, um, and the goats at that point and I had a farm sitter come and look after them for the four weeks they actually lived in the house and farm sat for us for four weeks so I have been through it I know what it's like and on that occasion I perhaps didn't have enough food to see me for at least a couple of days after I got back so we got back from the US reasonably jet lagged because you're doing the red eye back to Australia and um <laughs> <laughs> had to duck down the road and buy more stock feed because we were completely out. The poor old farm sitter had had used everything, um, which was a bit of a pain in the ass, especially when you you know you come home and you want to wash all your clothes and unpack, and you're probably going to do some food shopping because your your fridge will be bare. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal to have to do that. So if you can build it up over those couple of months before uh, you go away, then that would be ideal. Now, another thing that you need to consider, and you know, this is this is the one that really freaks everybody out, is 
what happens in an emergency. So emergency preparedness for your farm sitter is vital, especially if you have a relationship with your farm sitter. And I'll discuss farm sitters a little bit further down, but you really, you you want to make sure that you're not going to come back and end up hating each other because some horrible event has occurred that nobody was prepared for. I wouldn't want to put anybody in that situation and I certainly wouldn't want my animals in that situation. So you need to have really clear guidelines about what you expect regarding emergencies. Say, for example, if we had a a chicken that got sick, um, would I expect the farm sitter to take that animal into the vet? Would I expect them to try and manage the illness? What would I expect? Well, I have fairly low expectations for everybody. And the reason for that is because emergencies happen, accidents happen, and everybody is just human. What I would do in an emergency situation is very different to what somebody else would do in an emergency situation. And I don't hold it against them. If things go wrong and an animal dies, they are going to feel like shit no matter what. You coming down hard on them It's just going to make them feel more like shit and it's not going to bring the animal back. So there is literally no point in carrying on. It's sad, yes, but it does happen. Um, Our farm sitters lost one of our chooks when we were away in America um, and it wasn't a special chook, which sounds terrible because, I mean, they're all equal at the end of the day. But did was I upset about it? Yeah, I was sad that the chook had died. Um, Did I... Was I cranky at them for letting the chook die? No, not at all. We, I, The chook could have died on my watch and it didn't. It died on their watch and they already felt terrible about that. But you need to have very clear guidelines. So just say uh, Rocky a buck, if, if somebody was house sitting, farm sitting for us here, uh, Rocky the buck, who's worth quite a bit of money, if he suddenly was showing signs of illness, yes, I would absolutely authorise them taking Rocky to the vet and leaving him at the vet and telling the vet, fix him. Whatever's wrong, fix. Um, because he is a very valuable animal to me and not just valued in monetary, but we need him. He's been an awesome buck, an awesome breeder. So I, I really don't want him to go. My nanny goats, same deal. I would probably say, yeah, take him into the vet. I want them in at the vet. I want them fixed. The Angora goats, probably not so much. The value that I have for them and the value that they provide to me is a lot lower. So it would probably be a case of manage it. Now, that being said, I would always leave a first aid kit with anybody that's here with animals um, because there are some things that are really easy fixed. I mean, a, a goat gets their leg caught on a fence and cuts their leg. Purple spray works wonders. <laughs> Purple spray and a bandage around it. And believe me, most goats will survive just fine. I've seen my mother patch up a goat with a broken leg using polypipe as a splint around the leg and just binding it. And the goat just kept walking on the broken leg. And the leg healed, probably not the same way it would heal if a vet did it. But the goat was fine. Still walking around as far as I know to this day. Um, Other things that you need to consider is um, emergencies in the house. So just say, um, like for us, we're, we're off grid, so there's not many problems we get, but things like the septic tanks. Um, we, we're due to have a pump out of the septic tanks again now. It's been over two and a half years since they were pumped. So And there's sometimes six of us in the house. It does need to get pumped again. 
those kinds of things I would make sure that I'd done prior to going away. I'd make sure that they weren't due to be done while I was away. But if there's a problem with the septic, how much do I expect the farm sitter to do to fix it? Now, in some cases, there can be a little bit of backup, things like that, when the septic's not running as clear as it is. Um, obviously, I would try and do maintenance on it before I went away, but do I expect them to do it? No, I would probably say to them, call out the septic tank guy, because that's kind of a bit gross. And, you know, there's lots of things I expect a farm sitter to do, but that's probably not one of them. Um, also, too, making sure that your neighbours are aware that... Um, you know that you're going to be away and if there's an emergency i mean on a in a rural environment emergencies can be so many things flooding we got flooded in last week um it could be um fire in which case if the neighbors know that you're not there and there's a farm sitter there who may not be familiar with all your firefighting equipment or all your you know um car equipment to be able to move things out of you know areas that might be getting too flooded if, if they know you're not there, then your neighbours are more likely to help the, the farm sitter out um, so that it doesn't cause a problem for them as well. Because when you're in a rural environment, a fire on your property uh, will mean it'll probably likely spread to somebody else's property. So having your neighbours you know, on board and knowing that kind of stuff. Also too, our neighbours are pretty good. They know our situation with our animals. Our farm sitter is actually the next door neighbour's son. We use him. Uh, because he knows all our animals, he knows our property, uh, we trust him because he's our next door neighbour, so yeah, we we pay him to do it. Um, now, what else have I got? Okay, so when you're making your checklist of things, you need to prioritise and create checklists for your farm sitter. And the best way that I've found of doing it, and it could be because I'm so OCD, but the best way I've found is daily, weekly and monthly tasks. Now, obviously, if you're only going to be away um, for a week or two, then you don't need to worry about the monthly tasks. But daily and weekly tasks, and I am very OCD, I print all up, usually on Canva, do a pretty little checklist of this is what needs to be done each day. The chickens need to be fed, the eggs need to be collected. The goats need to be checked to make sure that they're not injured or anything in the paddocks. Horses need to be checked. The cows need to be checked. Bees don't need to be checked. They're lucky. I can leave bees a couple of weeks without anybody having to look at them. Uh, but those kinds of things, veggie garden, just check that, you know, the, the watering system's working, whatever you've got going. Some things will be daily. Some things can be weekly. With the horses and the cows and the angora goats, I tend to only physically go and check them weekly. I will stick my head into the paddock and kind of do a head count and shit like that. But actually physically going up to each of the animals and doing a side assessment of them is a weekly job. I, I can not see the horses all week when they're up in the back paddock. and But when I go up and check them, I go over and check them to make sure there's no injuries or anything that I need to be aware of. Daily ones, my milking goats are checked daily. Um, and that's because we are hands-on with them daily. So it's just part of the course that we check them daily. Um, but having a checklist like that, something that can be stuck on the fridge, that they can have printed out, stuck somewhere, and they know that they have to do this, this, and this each day. So at and and I even put the times down. So I'll put in there. I don't check my eggs until usually about four, between four and five o'clock. Um, sometimes a bit later. But if you said five o'clock every day, fill up the chickens' uh, feed things, check that their water's still got water in it, and collect all the eggs. So that would be a daily chore at five o'clock. 
if you do it like that you'll find that it just makes it so much easier for them most people are happy to be told what to do if you give them very rigid this is you know feed the dogs at six o'clock in the morning the dogs get fed meat and dry biscuits and you know they get left in their respective paddocks and, and yards if you give them that kind of list people are going to be more likely to adhere to it and it's going to work better for them um, things like water troughs yeah I fill up the water troughs probably once a week and I check them daily because animals can't live without water um, some of them have got access to dams so that's not as a big deal but uh, the milking goats and the chickens their water is checked daily because their water is not from a dam it's actual bathtub so yeah uh, non-negotiable and de delegatable tasks so this goes both ways this is for when you're getting ready to go but also for your person who's farm sitting for you you need to work out what things need to be done before you leave and like I say I, I try to leave it so that leave the farm sitter with only the very essential jobs to do while you're away so things like the septic pump tank getting pumped that would be something that I would probably say to the handy helper can you organize before we go because I'm organizing the holiday usually um, can you organize for the septic tank guy to come out and pump the tank and empty it and can you make sure that you've got you know a full jerry can of petrol with the generator just in case the person here runs out of power so they can start the generator um, those kinds of things I hand off to other people um, the kids both my kids are good travelers so when we travel anywhere with them they pack their own bags they know exactly what they need to, to take they know how to pack their toiletries they've got toiletries bags because we have traveled a bit so they know exactly how to pack so I don't even I don't even check their packing anymore I just say well if you forgot to pack it guess what it's on you um yeah it's at the end of the day they'll learn by the well they do if they forget something for school usually the next morning they'll come out and go hang on I've got to pack this because I forgot it yesterday um but also to prioritize what needs to, what's non-negotiables for the farm sitter so uh say for us for example checking the eggs every day is non-negotiable needs to be done has to be done they can't back up so the eggs have to be checked every day uh, the dogs have to be fed every day uh, the milking goats if they're not milking they don't necessarily need to be checked every day um, but you know they have to be checked every week so that's a non-negotiable for a weekly they have to be checked um, yeah so that's that checklist idea I, I love it and like I say I'm a bit OCD but Canva's got some really good checklist kind of plans and you can kind of do it up really nice and add all the things in that you need to add in now there's also delegating responsibilities to other people and that could be family members friends or neighbors and sharing those checklists with those people I'm I don't expect my next door neighbors if their son is looking after the property for us I don't expect them to come over and do it he is we pay our farm sitter so um if he comes over to do it he's going to get paid but his mother and father who are good friends of ours um, they are aware of what we require from him now that's not so that they can write his case about it he's an adult he knows what he's got when he's got responsibilities and he is quite a responsible young man so he will automatically do the things that he has to do but the idea is that what happens if something happens to him and let's face it emergencies can happen and they're 
you know, accidents and things like that are called accidents because you never planned for them. So if he was involved in an accident or became ill and could not do anything, then uh, we've made a deal with his parents that they would step in and do what needed doing. Now, they would only do the bare minimum. They would only do the absolutely non-negotiables, but they would step up and do it for us. And having a backup plan like that is ideal. Now, that backup plan, if you're using a actual paid farm sitter, then the backup plan could be a friend or a relative or something like that, but or a neighbour. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like in our situation where it's our farm sitter is their son. It could be somebody completely unrelated uh, to the farm sitter. It's just that they, the farm sitter needs to know who they are so that they can say, hey, I'm reaching out, something's happened, I can't get out to, say, feed the chickens tonight um, if they're not staying on site. I can't get out to feed the chickens and collect the eggs. Could you do it, please? Um, I know this is a, you know, it, it's a bit of on you, but you, you as the person who's getting somebody to farm sit needs to work out who your backup person is and make sure that your backup person is okay with being the backup person and doing those kinds of tasks when everything kind of goes to poo. Um, and on that, obviously collaborating with neighbors and friends for support is a big one. If you're going away, um, people do need holidays. You need to take a break and, uh, you know, yes, it's hard to do when you're on a farm because there is a lot of pre-planning and a lot of organization that goes into it, but having a support network, I mean, having a support network is awesome anyway. And certainly our neighbors here, we, we have a little, um, messenger group that we can all chat to each other if there's some problem with the road or if animals are out or anything like that but having your neighbors know what you're doing and and knowing where you're going and when you'll be back and who's the person farm sitting for you and what their jobs are and what their non-negotiables are that just means that there's somebody else out there who can help in the event of everything going belly up um, also the other good bit is and <laughs> neighbors are awesome for it uh, if neighbours can farm sit for you, then that is awesome because you can then return the favour to them. When they want a holiday, like I said, everybody needs a holiday. When they want a holiday, if you've had to lean on them to help out with feeding animals and things like that while you're away, then um, you returning the favour and offering to look after their animals while they're away on holidays, that is just a win-win for everybody. And it makes life so much easier. <laughs> you know, you feel like you've got somebody who you can go to if everything goes, you know, like I said, belly up. Um, and, and our neighbours are good. If you don't have great neighbours, hopefully you've got friends or family that are nearby that would be able to do the same. Uh, if not, uh, so this is the big one here for farm sitters. If not, you can actually go online and find a house and farm sitter. So there's a Aussie house sitting network in, in Australia. In America, I don't know what's available, but I would imagine there would be something similar in America. And you key in what animals you have and what you require from the person. Do you want them to live in? Do you want them not to live in? Are you prepared to you know cover all the costs of living for them um, while you're away? And you key all that in. And they spit out a couple of 
people who would be suitable for you, people that might be in your area at that time of the year. Um, a lot of them are old retirees who are traveling around in caravans and things like that. So sometimes they don't even necessarily want to live in your house. They're happy to park up their caravan so long as they can use water and power from your source um, to their caravan. They'll park their caravan up in your yard and look after all your animals while they're there. Now, in our case, when we went to America, um, that was when we were on the small farm, and we used that facility to get our farm sitter. And we ended up with a lovely family, husband and wife and two daughters, and they were house-sitting while their property, they, they bought a property, and while the house was being built and they didn't have a house on the property, they were going around and literally just house-sitting at people's houses while the house was being built, which is an awesome way for them to save money. They didn't have to worry about rent. Um, and it also introduced them to that lifestyle because they were moving from an urban environment to a rural environment. So the kids um, the kids helped the mother out with all the chickens and the goats, and the father looked after anything else. We, we actually had a plumbing problem while we were away and uh, because it was the middle of winter and the pipes kept freezing because on the little farm the pipes were on the outside of the house so things like that do happen and you do need to have a plan for it we did have a plan we had somebody that they could call on who was um, a pretty reasonable home plumber um, and he came around and fixed it for them uh, and we just fixed him up when we got back because he knew we knew him so it all worked out and that's the value of having that really good support network so Farm sitting from a stranger is an option in those kinds of situations. Now, those people are vetted. Um, their details are kept with the company that, that you go through. So while you don't know them, and obviously my hot tip would be not to leave anything valuable in your house that you know, you're really concerned about. Um, but I wouldn't leave, if I had a house sitter in my house in, in suburbia, I wouldn't be leaving anything valuable in my house if I was going away with a house sitter there. Um, it's just there's just no need it's not anything to do with trust I just don't do that kind of thing anyway they were awesome we didn't pay them we just covered all their costs as far as you know electricity water housing costs they provided their own food we left them a little parcel of, of nice things um, from the farm so they had a jar of honey and they had eggs obviously and they were able to eat the eggs from the chickens while while we were gone um, and they looked after the place for four weeks while we we're in the states so it worked out awesome. The farm sitter we use now, like I said, is is the 21-year-old son. He's just turned 21, I think, um, of our next-door neighbour. And because we have the Merrimah, it does become a little bit problematic. And I'll discuss that next week with animals. But he knows our farm reasonably well. We just pay him a set fee. He does not stay on the farm because he only lives literally 500 metres away. Uh, he doesn't stay on the farm. He stays at his own place. Uh, but then he just comes across each day, morning and night, checks the, checks the dogs in the afternoon, checks the chickens. And uh, we were able to go on a family holiday to Mooloolabar, which is um, in Queensland and we're in New South Wales, uh, for seven days last year. And he farm sat for us and took care of everything. There was no problems when we got back. Everything had been looked after. We were super impressed. It was we loved the fact that he is doing that. Now he has just got himself a girlfriend who is also farm sitting for people and looking after animals and things like that. So next time we want to go away, we'll probably say to both of them, um, "Look, you know, we'll pay for both of you to come and do it because it, it certainly takes the load off one person if there's two of them that are able to do it and know what all the requirements are." But finding a good farm sitter, um, and, and look on look on 
you know, Facebook marketplace and things like that. Uh, if you've got a local rural page on Facebook, post on there and say, does anybody know of a local farm sitter who's good with horses, goats, chickens, dogs, whatever it is? And you'd be surprised how many people come back and say, oh, yeah, I farm sit, you know. They don't always advertise it. Sometimes it's word of mouth. So it's a good way of finding them. Uh, now, hosting a homestead holiday gathering. This is something that I haven't done before, but um, I can see the value in it. Before you go away, it's probably not a bad idea to have, especially if you're having people who are home sit, sitting or farm sitting for you who are um, strangers, uh, host a little barbecue. Invite a couple of your neighbours over, invite you, your farm sitters, and let everybody meet each other in that kind of social setting. It just would help down the track if there is a problem, if something does go pear-shaped and your farm sitter needs to contact your neighbours and, and request some assistance. If everybody knows who everybody is and they've all had a chat and, you know, that kind of thing, it it's not essential, but it would be a nice. It's a nice to have, not a need to have, but it would be nice. Um, plus also, you know, it's a good way to say to everybody in your neighbourhood, because, you know, if, uh, in rural neighbourhoods, we, we don't hide the fact that we're going away from each other. We tell each other we're going away. So if animals get out, people know, shot those animals back in the paddock. Um, so that's a good way to kind of touch base with all your neighbours and let them know what you're doing. Um, that would be a good time to do that. And then, of course, the main one is expressing gratitude when you get back. Now, uh, with our US um, holiday people, uh, we uh, when we came back into the country, we bought them a lovely couple of bottles of wine to say thank you very much. And we also gifted them some more honey and eggs before they left the house um, and made sure that they were all good with that. Now, if it's your neighbours doing it, you might have gifts that you want to give to them or you might, while you're away on holidays, see something and think, oh, that would be really nice for the neighbours as a bit of a thank you for, for being there and helping out. Um, also, too, if you're in a rural area that has some really good produce, then, you know, it's it's a nice gesture to kind of say, hey, here's some here's some local produce. Um, for us here, we're close. The closest little town to us is Murrum Bateman. Murrum Bateman has a stack of wineries. So we would likely buy a local wine for anybody that was uh, farm sitting for us. I think in um, in our farm sitter's case um, from last year, we, he just requested beer, <laughs> straight up requested beer. <laughs> Typical 20-year-old bloke. <laughs> um, and so we got him that. But we bought his mum and dad a bottle because we knew that they'd probably kept an eye on him to make sure that he was fine. Uh, and, and that kind of thing, I just don't think that goes, like you, you can't be more um, grateful for somebody looking after your property for you. It, it is hard work stepping off the farm or homestead, um, but <laughs> there's no reason why you can't do it. You just have to be very well planned. But being able to say thank you to somebody means that they're more likely to say yes if you ask them again in a year's time when you want to take another week off. Anyway. That's my thoughts on homestead and holidaying. Um, and I really do think it's important that you do take a break off the farm. And even if it's just for a weekend, um, the handy helper and I have definitely gone away for the weekend before. Um, and we've done it when the goats have been milking, which is the most problematic time. 
when we've done that we've just made sure that the baby goats are out with the mums all the time so instead of us milking they're drinking now that does drop the milk supply down a bit when we get back into our routine but with hazel my my oldest goat um it doesn't take much she was sick the other week and and she's back to full milk production already it's like two weeks uh it didn't take her long at all to bounce back and it generally doesn't so long as you keep that that um routine going once you get back so hopefully that's kind of answered a few questions about how you would take a holiday when you've got animals and gardens and things like that Next week, I will go into a lot more detail about animals. Um, and the following week, I'll go into a lot more detail about gardening, gardens and household stuff. Things like your sourdough. What do you do with your sourdough if you're going to be away for a month? Because I know what mine looks like after a week if I haven't touched it. Uh, but I'll discuss that in the coming weeks. Um, and uh, I also just want to let you all know that I have done my first guest appearance on somebody else's podcast, and I believe that will be coming out in January. So when it gets closer to the date, I'll let you know on the social media where you can go and uh, listen to that one if you'd like to. Um, otherwise, I will go and check my Angora, who hopefully is starting to uh, show a bit more at the back and has progressed a bit in her labor I'll, i won't be happy if she hasn't because it means i'll probably have to do a little bit of internal and see if the baby is facing the right way and make sure she's dilating in her cervix not a fun job but necessary anyway i will talk to you all next week have an awesome first week of december thanks so much for listening today i hope you've enjoyed our time together if you did i'd be so grateful if you left me a review I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, grow the life you want to live. See ya.